G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. What is going on listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Matter Mentality Podcast. Now, as you can see, the face is starting to get a little bit leaner. So hopefully you are on the YouTube channel, otherwise you have no idea what I'm talking about. But we are at the point in prep now where things are starting to get a little bit leaner. We're starting to touch up a little bit. Face is starting to get a bit drier, starting to get more tired, starting to get a bit exhausted. But it's all fun and games. We love it. We're pushing ourselves and we're trying to find the extremities that we lie in. So uh, in the last episode, um, we really got to explore some of the tips and tricks that I employ to getting and sustaining a deficit uh, and how we can make it a little bit easier on ourselves. One of the things that really comes up a lot with my clients and clients in general, people in general go through aggressive cuts, especially people that have never been in one before, is the misunderstanding of what's going to happen to the body and the misunderstanding of what's going to happen psychologically. And I believe this is genuinely a, a misunderstood concept and it's not, it's not proactively attacked by a lot of coaches to have their clients prepared mentally for what's to come. It's essentially sending in soldiers blind into a fight and being confused as to why they start losing the battle. And to me, that's unfair. It's ethically questionable and kind of where a lot of the problems lie. It's what results in uh, bodybuilding or calorie controlling or aggressive cutting being held accountable or responsible for people's uh, eating problems, mental problems, uh, mental anguish, the traumas and the triggers that come from being lean or trying to get lean. And, I believe it comes down a lot more to the fact that it hasn't been preempted exactly what's about to happen. So my contribution to this realm of, of knowledge, I think is to kind of drop a little bit more about what's actually going to go on in your mind. What's going to go on uh, in your phases of cutting. That's really going to start to affect you and kind of limit your progression, limit your phases, limit your uh, ability to get further lean um, in conjunction with the fact that you're cutting calories and you're trying to shred. Uh, now I'm not the be all end all. My word is not gospel. It is not the absolute fact. It is fact of what I know, what I've studied, what I've researched, what I've done, what I've experienced and seen, uh, and, and kind of the common occurrences that are taking place. So keep in mind that you are more than welcome to discuss with me, engage in discourse, challenge, question, theory, theorize, um, you know, all around stimulate conversations. Really all we're trying to do here is, is create thought, have people more aware and understand what's going on. So let's, let's really look at um the basics here let's dive back to the basics and that is when we look at the human body when we look at the human being when we understand things like terror management theory uh evolution and we start understand evolutionary psychology evolutionary biology the human meat carcass our body skin and bones skeleton the muscle mass all the blood organs is literally just a transportation vessel for the brain Everything we do is enacted in a way that is to enable the brain to survive and make sure that we are surviving. So though we are living in the 21st century, this is a primitive and primal process that has existed across the 100,000 years of us existing as a species, if not more, and has been something that's enabled us to survive and handle the prolonged periods of uh, threat management, terror management, stress management. And it's only in the recent sort of centuries and millennia that we're living in such abundance and availability of industriousness, food intake, uh, palatable foods, um, things on demand, comfort, uh, comfortabilities, and the overabundance of, of foods, resources, nutrients. Um, and because of this, we need to be conscious of the fact that this, the, the traits and the, 
The biological urges, the systems, the responses, the hormones, the chemicals are still enacted based on survival systems we've had for you know tens of thousands of years in a time where those those abundances didn't exist. So a long-winded way of saying basically a lot of what the body cares about is simply surviving. It doesn't care about anything else. We don't, though we are consciously uh, making sentient choices as a human being to get lean, free did free will versus determinism, we are based still or grounded in the evolutionary responses that have kept us surviving as a species for tens of thousands of years. So what does that mean? How does that affect us? And what's the consequence of dieting because of that? Well, if we're to understand, when we understand things like your leptin and, and ghrelin levels and the way these hormones fluctuate and respond to uh, dieting periods, and we understand that uh, in essence, all the body is trying to do is avoid dying and starvation, it makes it a little bit clearer as to the process of what's happening. At the end of the day, all the body recognizes that we once had an abundance of energy, we had food intake and we had abundance of nutrients that we were able to uh, stick to, that we're able to consume, that we're regularly coming in, and now they're not. So when we're going through, let's say we go through a deficit, we're going into a cut phase, we're trying to reduce body fat, drop weight and maintain muscle mass. Essentially what's going to happen is the body is going to recognize that we have a uh, reduction in energy intake and we're going to see things like uh, the, the delay in food coming in. It's going to tell us basically that we're no longer getting the levels of energy we need and we need to get fuel from somewhere else. And that fuel is going to be from stored fats or stored energy in the body through a process of beta oxidation, converting our fat cells and converting our body fats into fuel, uh, a metabolic process uh, via the Krebs cycle that's going to essentially allow us to maintain a, a sense of energy regulation, um, focus, cognitive function, muscular function, energy output, activity, whole list of things. So this this uh, reduction in energy intake is going to force the body to find the reserve fuel sources elsewhere. And that is our stored energy or stored body fat. Now, this is a very primal and basic uh, system of thermoregulation, meaning that we understand uh, Newton's first law of thermodynamics means that energy cannot change. Uh, energy cannot be created or destroyed to simply change the states. So this means that it's changing from one state to the other, being uh, from a stored energy source into a, an energy source that we can utilize for fuel. Now, What's going to happen here is essentially this is going to be an exposed stress to the body, a stress on the system, a stress on us cognitively, psychologically, emotionally, physically, uh, that we don't want. The body doesn't want to be stressed. The body wants to be in a state of homeostasis, meaning it wants to find balance. It always wants to be a balance point because that's where we function and we're normal. If we have a regular place, uh, a point we usually operate at, if we have a usual point that we're used to, where we're going to eventually get to a point where the body fights back subconsciously on the actions and choices that we're making. So this is why it's important to have someone guiding you through a cut phase that you're really trying to push towards. Um, if we understand, say, now that we're going through a cut, we're reducing total calorie intake. A big misconception here is that the body adjusts and we have a, uh, uh, what would you call it? Metabolic adaptation. The, the understanding that a lot of people have about metabolic adaptation is that uh, the body adjusts to the calorie intake that we have and eventually slows down your metabolism. This isn't the case to a degree. It's like when you're kind of right, but you're also well wrong. So if we understand um, kind of the way the body works as a system in inter interacting, interconnecting systems, there's a lot that goes on in order to store and sustain the energy we have. If you think about starvation and the fact that all the body knows that during a diet is that we're starving, 
it is going to say, hey, how can I preserve as much energy as possible? I recognize for the last six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, four weeks, that less food is coming in than I'm used to. And I'm starting to churn body fat into fuel to try and sustain our activity across the day and our general metabolic functions. That's going to prime the brain and the body to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be as active. I don't want to be as social. I don't want to be as fidgety as, as uh, non-exercise active. I don't want to do all these things so I can preserve energy and preserve the remaining fuel stores that I have. So this is going to lead to a down regulation in your metabolic, in your metabolic capacity. So we're doing less as a subconscious response to the under available or the, the deficit availability of food. So meaning that the body is getting less to take in. We're now going to adjust subconsciously by doing less work to mean that we only have, we need less to survive. Because of this, then the body will reduce its overall deficit to main, to to kind of counteract the fact that you're forcing this adaptation, you're forcing this process to occur. So the body is going to fight us at a certain point in that downregulation or metabolic adaptation as a consequence of reducing calories. Now, there's a few ways we stimulate this, and there's a whole other episode there, but with things like diet breaks, refeeds, free meals to try and rejig uh, overall energy to enhance a bit of extra output, uh, reduce mental fatigue, diet, diet fatigue and stuff, more things we can go into shortly. Um, but essentially we need to understand that the body is going to fight back at a certain point. Now, this is just a physiological responses. The body is going to challenge what we're doing because subconsciously, though we're actively making the choice, we are governed by the anatomy of the brain and the individual processes of the neuron of neuroanatomy and neuro, uh, neurological systems. They have brain of control when we think they don't. So this is where the argument of free will versus determinism comes in. When we start to get, we understand the brain again. So we move, we move now in towards say understanding brain capacity. Me now, I'm a little bit slower. You can probably tell that my, my conversation skills are not quite as proficient and fluid, uh, fluent as they usually are. Uh, the brain runs on fuel. It needs glucose. It needs oxygen and it needs uh, energy to function. The brain itself is one of the largest metabolic, uh, one of the largest utilizations of fuel that we have in the body and it needs fuel to operate. So when we deplete and we are reducing intake of energy, it slows down cognitive function. Now, this is going to lead to things like a reduction in the capacity of your prefrontal cortex, which is a thing that is orientated with, uh, which is associated with goal orientation, inhibition and um, uh, social and, uh, oh God, I'm in mind blank here. See, this is what I'm happy. This is happening literally to me. Um, it basically, it's our, our filter. It's our filter, social inhibition, uh, goal orientation, general cognitive, uh, cognitive behaviors all result around the, the frontal lobe, which exists where the prefrontal cortex is. And this plays a large role in the way we act, think, say, speak, and do things. So if that's the case, then that means that we're going to be thinking less efficiently. We're going to be thinking less effectively. We're going to be less productive. We're going to be less focused. We're going to be less uh, task orientated. So this is where it's important to understand that even, and I don't think I have the time to cover every single nuance or detail that's going to come from cutting and reducing calories, but there are a lot of processes to kind of explore. So now that we've understood that the brain is governed by energy intake as well, and that we're going to be reducing intake and energy functionality, uh, sorry, cognitive functionality and the availability of energy in the brain, we're then going to understand that it's going to affect overall day-to-day -day activity, day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day function. So our needs going to go down. It means we're going to fidget less. We're going to be less active. We're going to be less moving. We're going to do less around the house. We're going to do less chores. We're going to actively find ways to do less movement in the shopping center, getting groceries. We're going to park closer than further away to the stores. We're going to choose the items closer to us than further away. Uh, we're not going to exert ourselves in ways we don't have to. 
as the body's counter response to the fact that you're challenging it with less food. This is in order for us to preserve overall energy. Again, survival. Now, what we do, what we will see then as well is you'll also start to notice uh, fluctuations in temper, in emotions, in moods, in regulation, in overall social functionality. You'll be less desirable. You'll have less libido. Uh, we'll see less available energy to systems like your uh, HPA and your HPG, meaning your uh, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and your hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, meaning your sex drive and your stress responses are going to be scattered and over all over the shop comparatively to where they would normally be in uh, a homeostatic position. So this is going to affect things like your sex drive, your stress responses, your anxieties, your mood elevations, your uh, aggressions, your uh, confrontations, your, your um, filtration, your ability to react, respond, think clearly, make wise choices. This is all going to be affected by the low availability of energy. The more progressively you get through your cut, the more aggressive we start to get in that deficit, the less energy available for these things to function, operate correctly, which is going to then have an impact on how they process and how they affect us overall. Now we have to look at our role in, we don't have to, but another thing to then look at is our role in the social or psychosocial environment. So how we act and engage at work in our friendships, in our relationships, in our emotions, uh, in our workplaces, in our general goals and our behaviors at gym are all now affected by the fact we have a low intake of food. We're going to be more easy to the trigger. We're going to be easily frustrated. We're going to be more, uh, we're going to lack filtration. We're going to speak more our mind more clearly because there isn't anything stopping us or we're less likely to stop what we have to say due to the fact that the prefrontal cortex has less availability of energy. So you start to see in these systems how much is connected by the availability of energy and how the greater the deficit and the longer the deficit, the more, the more problematic they become. We then, so if we look at the fact that we have a, lower inhibition and a lower functionality of the prefrontal cortex. We now have the likelihood of things like cheating on our diets because we are less goal oriented. We're less focused and fixated on this process. We're less concerned with these, uh, we're less prohibited from not doing these things. We know that we shouldn't do them, but my God, that cake looks good. That donut looks good. Those burgers look good. And this plays a large role in where people start to slip up and start to make mistakes or start to cheat, start to lie, start to hide because they have not got as much in terms of the uh, the functional prefrontal cortex and the the functionality of their uh, inhibition and their uh, goal orientation. Then we have to consider the responses now that comes from leptin and ghrelin. So if we look at the fact that uh, leptin is our satiety hormone, right? So if we understand leptin as the the hormone secreted from our, our fat cells that or adipose cells, that essentially signal the body and auto-regulate our overall functionality of hunger and weight management by saying, hey, I am uh, no longer, or I am no longer hungry. I'm actually feeling pretty full. I have achieved a level of satisfaction. I have a, com a, a I'm a content level of, um, of hunger. I have a content level of food that's come in. I no longer need more food and therefore I'm sweet. That is your leptin basically. Then we have the other hormone that makes up the two hunger hormones, which is your ghrelin. Now, ghrelin is the, the hormone released in the stomach that basically tells the body when it's had enough food. And then when it hasn't had enough food, it's basically saying, hey, it's time to eat and starts to secrete what starts to trigger those hunger feelings of nausea, gassiness. Uh, you start to get infuriation, frustration, tiredness, all that sort of jazz. Ghrelin plays a role in that feeling, that trigger, that stimulation. Again, subconscious behaviors or, or subconscious responses from the system to say, hey, this is what it's time to do. This is what we're doing now. Um, I need you to eat. And so that then becomes a consequence, the greater the degree of deficit and period in that deficit you become. 
So if you think about that, then you've now got people that are less psychologically stable, less emotionally regulated, more quick to the trigger, more emotionally anxious, more wired to be uh, confrontational or emotionally steamrolled. And then we've got things like a, a dysregulation or an unbalance in the fact that we're so hungry, we're exposing ourselves to the greater degree of hunger that the the relationship with the hunger hormones we have is not in check. So the food that would normally fill us up and make us feel full, like a high day or a um, or your overall increase in, in say vegetables, fiber and stuff like that, it's not going to be enough to tell leptin that you're satisfied because you're not. And ghrelin is not going to be triggered enough when the, when the stomach is full because you haven't eaten for so long. It's not, it's not full. It recognizes that there isn't an abundance of food coming in and it still wants more. Now, these, can, these things can happen across months of a cut. You need to be prepared mentally, um, educationally, psychologically, that these are going to be consequences and responses that come from you cutting, that come from you limiting food intake because we generally need food to survive. And you are basically telling the body when you are going through a deficit that, hey, I would rather choose being lean over surviving and the body's going to say, fuck you. Like hell we are. Now we start to play with things like all those habits you thought you broke and all those uh, those systems you thought you, you didn't have, didn't need to set up. And the foods in your house that you started saving for the end of shows, the end of your cup that are like chocolates and cakes and biscuits and donuts. Guess what the brain is going to start doing? Hey, remember when you go to this place and you start to, uh, you know that you see that food. Remember when you used to be in off season, you go to this location, have that really nice cheesecake or that nice pizza or donut. This is where we start to come into play with things like the olfactory nerve that exists in the in the nose that is associated then with the hippocampus that reminds us or is responsible for instigating smell-based memory. So we can use things like our senses to then trigger memory recall to say, hey, you're fucking starving. Remember that uh, that place that you smelled down the road that had that really nice pizza? Guess what? We're going to go there again. And we're going to drive past there. And I'm going to challenge you every single time not to have food there. Though I know I'm going to tell you that it is amp- that it is good and it's going to be great. I'm going to remind you of how good pizza tastes. I'm going to remind you of how good donuts taste, cake tastes. All because you are depriving the brain of energy. The greater this becomes, the more enhanced these systems get and the stronger these uh, these these responses start to generate from the body to force you to eat. Again, it's all about survival and the survival mechanisms, and this is part of it. If you think about it, you're you're essentially forcing the body to fight you and make you want to eat, and that's a pretty powerful thing that we have to then contend with. Which is why when people say things like, "Oh, your willpower is not good enough," but also that coach hasn't taken the time to explain how these processes work and these systems work to the, to the client or to someone who's never really dieted before. And when I say diet, I mean genuinely gotten lean. There is dieting to you know, 15 to 12% body fat. And people say, oh, you know, fat burners aren't necessary because they don't really do much. They don't really help. There's that level of dieting. Then there's getting to five, six, three, 4% body fat as a stage present client who's trying to prep and get on a bodybuilding stage and really go through that degree of cut. There's a photo shoot cut where you're trying to get nice and lean and look oiled up and shredded for a photo shoot for their fitness magazine or your Instagram. Those levels of hunger, there's, there's intensities to this that have to be considered where the degrees of dieting will affect the degrees of response from the body and how hard it will challenge you on these obstacles. Now, these are things we want. We want the body to be able to do this. When these things are happening, it means your body's working well. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not broken. Your body's metabolic capacity isn't broken. Your body's metabolic hormones aren't broken. I fucking hate these sentiments or ideas that the body's broken for doing the, the exact processes that have kept us alive for tens of thousands of years. It's helping you survive. 
Now the issue lies when we don't address these things and we aren't prepared for these things mentally and we go into things like post-comp phases or post-diet phases with no control plans, no, no reverse dieting periods, no, uh, no goals to come out of a cut to essentially trigger the brain to focus more on the goal than the hormones and the desires that we have. Because the next thing is the scary part. When we look at the, the study conducted, when we look at, if I remember correctly, the study that I'm recalling, the Minnesota starvation experiment, they attempted to recreate the POW calorie restrictions and limitations of people inside World War II. Now, this is bewildering because ethics were questionable back then and ethical regulation was a lot lean, more lenient in studies, especially physiological and psychological studies um, back that in that period of the, uh, the early 20th century. We we understood that when we when we... When we got to the POWs and the allies were able to release the POWs from uh, from the camps, they, and this may be a trigger warning for some people, I don't even know, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say here, but they started to see that they were actually killing people by allowing them to overeat and stuff their face when they released them. They didn't have a controlled intake of calories. And these, these processes that we're talking about now, though we understand them now, we didn't have to understand them for them to exist back then. They still happened. They still responded. And... Uh, these POWs were essentially eating themselves to death, drinking themselves to, to, to almost internal drowning as a response to their starvation and the restriction during the camps. So to understand this, they tried to create what I believe is called the Minnesota starvation experiment to replicate this environment and actually test and study what happens physiologically. And I think the more alarming thing was what happened psychologically. The fact that survival overwhelmed the, the, sorry, the survival systems that we have overwhelmed the body so much that there were people that actually ate themselves to death after only a few weeks. I believe it was a 12-week study they tried to create. And from what I recall of the experiment, we saw a few people break out of the camp or the, the uh, facility and get to the nearest gas station or, or convenience store and basically gouge themselves so heavily on food that it ruptured their stomach line and they died or at least had to get rushed to hospital. I'm a little bit loose on the exact details, but I know this study was done and it was to try and further understand what happens during these periods of starvation and these periods of extreme hunger and deficit. Now, that's a scary thought that if we're not prepared psychologically for the process of dieting and restricting calorie intake, the body will choose to almost kill yourself. It will literally choose to almost eat yourself to death in response to the fact that you've starved it for a period of time. So understanding these processes does not mean that bodybuilding is to blame for your eating problems. It doesn't mean that this is to blame for your eating problems. It means that you need to be conscious and educated on the fact that these things will occur. And we're going to see these responses happen to the body if you aren't prepared. They're going to be exacerbated even further. The crazy thing is that everything that you thought uh, that you liked or you did, even the food, food you didn't like, all of your senses and sensations around eating are now amplified to incite you to want to eat more. So the body's literally doing everything it can subconsciously, psychologically, emotionally, mentally to force you to eat and get more food in. So if you don't have a goal post-show, and this is why it's important to have a really meaningful goal, not just at the show and not just the date, not just the reason for your cut, but I mean post all of that, a meaningful goal to the thing you're striving towards has to be greater than the psychological distress you are placing in the system or else you're going to be limited by the fact that you are based purely on the deterministic features of the brain, the brain's capacity. Now, that's a lot of words and a lot of short sentence, but basically 
the you need to have an emotionally connected charge goal that will allow you to sustain the course reverse out of your diets properly stick to your food intake be mindfully aware of these these signals these hormones these responses or you are going to mess yourself up and this is a problem with the industry that i think that is not discussed enough by a lot of coaches by people that are going through these cut phases just simply here's a 12-week cut here's a 12-week restriction here's a 20-week comp prep day of the show later right see you later off you go you're on your own these processes are literally created by the body to force you to eat and eat and eat until it's back to normal. And that normal, like by the time you actually regulate those systems, that normal could have been, you know, 20,000 calories ago, but you just keep, you've kept eating because your appetite is not going to regulate your hunger levels are not going to sing, uh, sorry, your, your fullness levels are not going to be stimulated to say, Hey, I don't need to eat anymore. Your satiety is not going to be triggered to say, Hey, I'm actually satisfied. I can stop your, flavor palatability is going to be amplified your smell sensations are going to be quadrupled your memory recall and thought process and obsession with food is going to be through the roof everything that you are thinking about everything that you are considering everything that you are uh, talking about everything that you focus on is going to have a degree of food relation because you're so restricted and you're so actively trying to avoid it and you're trying to avoid these sensations avoid these, these cues avoid these signals and these responses that the body's going to make you think about it you're going to have subconscious dreams about food. You're going to have vivid dreams about food. You're going to elicit daydreaming about food. You're going to be thinking about the last time you had that donut or that cake or when you thought you had this or that. What route did I take that I drove when I was getting that Macca's burger? Or what was this destination when I had this food? What was the last time I had something sweet in the house? Your body will literally start to recall where you used to store food that may have been sweeter or more palatable or craveable that you could actually want. And it will make you go check these things. It will make you want to go look in the fridge. It will make you want to look in the cupboards, the pantries, the fridges, the freezers. That's why having these stored things like in, in your house, these stored uh, you know, post-show feeds and post-show foods is one of the dumbest, most irresponsible, ethically questionable systems I've seen from anyone in bodybuilding especially allowed to happen by coaches who should know better. If you are allowing a client or seeing a client start to generate lists of food they want to have post-show or accumulate food for post-show and you aren't intervening on this, there is genuinely a problem that we need to discuss because you are essentially facilitating and allowing the subconscious building of the inevitable desire to eat all this food, the, res the restricted thought process that all this food can be eaten after show day or all this food can be consumed after the end of the deficit is achieved. And that is going to foster and feed into debilitating eating problems, debilitating consequences hormonally, physiologically, psychologically, emotionally. This is where it's so important to make sure that not only is a person primed physiologically and metabolically to compete, meaning they have adequate calories to cut on. They have an adequate amount of muscle mass to train with. They have fat that needs to come off. They are working and sleeping in the right processes and systems in place there, but that they are actually psychologically apt to handle what is about to happen both during the prep and after the fact, or both during the cut and after the fact, during the aggressive deficit, during the rapid mini cut, whatever it is you want to call it, whatever phase you're doing, essentially the same thing, you're starving the body. These processes are going to occur. You need to have, you need to be ready psychologically, emotionally, mentally, because life is going to effing suck during this process, whether you want to or not. It's never going to be perfect, but at the same time, it's going to suck. You're going to be a lot more irrational. You're going to be a lot more emotional. You're going to be a lot more stressed. You're going to be a lot more frustrated, agitated, triggered, tired, exhausted, fatigued. Uh, your uh, filtration is going to be less. Your, as I've said before, your auto regulation will go down. Your metabolic capacity is going to shrink because you're going to want to do less activity. 
So you got to start regulating these things, make sure you're mentally aware of this stuff to go actively be, be uh, above it. So you're doing step targets, you're getting your output, you're doing cardio, you're training, all that stuff. You need to be psychologically prepared for the subconscious psychological responses the body's going to hit you with to offset your cutting. It's it's why I, I get so frustrated when I see like your, your highly highly conscientious type A personalities that simply discuss dieting as if it's a, a piece of cake in a ballpark, you know, a super easy concept to nail when they are highly conscientious, goal-oriented types that rarely actually have responses hormonally and have a down-regulation or a, 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 a higher threshold of stimulus before these responses occur. These types of people are, you know, they're well-grounded in understanding that they have less triggers in the household. They've, you know, they don't store foods. They don't share households with other people. They don't share households with other people who are trainers or, you know, might be in off-season or just general life people who don't care about dieting. They have an environment set up to optimize their dieting phase and their cut phases. They don't have any, any triggers or causalities that will stimulate most of these responses. And so it's super easy for them to say, well, you just cut and suck it up. There's a lot more that happens than just simply suck it up. And it's important to understand these processes. And there are so many more beyond this too. This is not the be all end all, but simply a, a, an important piece of information that I think a lot of people need to comprehend. And if you've never thought about cutting before, if you've never thought about prepping before, or you are thinking about it and you've been told, you know, it's just about a 12 week or 16 week cut and we'll be fine. We'll get through it. If you've never done it to the degree or intensity of the duration of a prep or the duration of the actual stage condition, if you've never been that lean, you need to be conscious of these things, you need to be educated on these things and understand that this is what's going to happen. And if you're not, you're in for a world of shock when it occurs. And too many people go through it with the world of shock when it occurs, then start blaming every other person, every other system, every other situation. But again, they've just gone, hey, I trained for three months. I've got a, a bit of a booty. I'm going to go ahead and do my first you know, physique comp. Or I've you know, been training for six months and my best friend said that I look really good. So I'm going to get on stage. I've also had got a history of being overweight and a history of you know, palatable food choices and uh, poor history with restricting calorie intake. But I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. That amplified by the fact that these are the are occurrences and responses that are going to happen to you physiologically and psychologically is a problem waiting to happen and something that you need to be aware of before it occurs. Before you jump on a bodybuilding stage or before you engage in a prep, you need to look internally, introspectively, intrinsically, see what is going on, how you are. Can you handle this? Be real with yourself that you're going to experience a whole list of problems. And because you have that downregulation in psychological capacity, emotional capacity, and cognitive function, all these triggers and problems that you do have in life that you've had before, that you've previously experienced, are going to be amplified and the threshold of stimulation is going to be so much lower to cause the response or cause these, uh, to cause these triggers and these, these catalysts. And again, it's not bodybuilding. It's not dieting's fault. It's not the 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 diet's problem that this has occurred it's that you haven't addressed these underlying problems before the diet exists and before the prep phase has started just as important it is to be physiologically prepared to get on stage you need to be psychologically prepared and aware before you start the process this entire journey is not for just someone to experience a situation like this or whether it be a drastic deficit an aggressive cut phase a prep a powerlifting prep a bodybuilding prep that level of fatigue endurance intensity dieting dieting fatigue is going to wreak havoc on you mentally just as well physiologically and the likelihood is that you come out of this in a lot worse position you know when we see the halo sorry the slingshot effect that most people who aren't in a lifestyle developed environment that is sustainable to the actions and the habits that they've developed or they've built 
will most likely eat back beyond the weight they started with and end up in a worse position. And that's where we start to get those post-show blowouts and rebound effects that all of a sudden it's always bodybuilding's fault and this person's fault and this coach's fault. Yes, to a degree, coach needs to educate you. People need to educate you. And that's why I put this information out there. But you need to take ownership and responsibility of the fact that you have some underlying concerns. You have some underlying problems. You need to understand them and explore them further, further than you have before and see if you are actually capable of handling what's about to happen because it's not for the faint of heart and to go through aggressive cuts, to go through aggressive dieting phases and preps is not for just any old person to simply start. It's not an experience as we've somehow let it become known as um, where you just sort of throw yourself in the deep end and see what happens. You know, I don't just go ahead and do crack or heroin because I want to experience a high. That's a, a very bizarre way of approaching the situation that is just a random thought when I probably could just do, you know, a photo shoot, or I probably could just do like a, a bit of a, a, a dabble in the water, put your toes in first, see how you handle a cut, see how you handle calorie restriction, how consistent and inherent you can be. Do those things first, which is the way that I like to operate this with my clients is kind of get them exposed to the, the, the dichotomies of the spectrum, the, uh, the highs of fullness and the lows of cutting, the, lo the highs of cutting and the, the lows of being full, you know, being lean, being shredded, being confident, a bit more happier with yourself, you know, look in the mirror, feeling like you can see six pack, all that stuff's cool. Emotionally, it's going to feel great, but then you're going to be exhausted physiologically, yada, yada. Then there's the opposite of that, where we have an, a surplus of energy intake, great amount of food, libido's up, energy up, we're focused, we're great, we're happy, we're content, but then we start to get uncomfortable. Now the real growth has to occur. We've got to push weight, we've got to push mass, we've got to push calories, we get softer, fat mass goes up, muscle mass goes up, we're uncomfortable, heart rate goes up. You have to explore these things before you step foot on a stage. And I think any good ethical coach will understand that and actually push you there because that way you are primed to experience the, the dichotomies that come with these outcomes, with these, with these processes. You know, when, when I hear someone in a prep say they're starving, then to me, their perspective is lacking. They actually haven't done much research into history and any, any sort of education. Starvation is 1944 Stalingrad the battle of Stalingrad where people are literally eating feces and each other eating sawdust and bread dough to make up less than 600 calories a day as the city's bombarded by, you know, battles of world war two. Those people were literally starving us consciously choosing to engage in a prep cut, a deficit, a mini cut, a rapid cut, a front end cut, whatever phase of cutting or, or calorie restriction you are choosing to be in, get healthier, just lose weight, body recomposition, we're actively choosing these things. It just requires a minor 10 to 30% calorie deficit to really achieve the result over a period of time. So if you aren't prepared for that perspective, you aren't prepared for that acceptance and that, that reality, you're going to be setting yourself up for a lot of problems that come from the body psychologically and physiologically. So my biggest advice is kind of we'll sit back and take all this in, understand this episode, um, but really, really explore your psychology, your emotional state, your emotional regulation, your psychological uh, situation and make sure that you can handle what's about to happen for 12 16 20 weeks otherwise you're setting yourself up for a lot of problems and at least i can at least i can hopefully say that putting this out will make a bit of a difference and people can have somewhere to go to kind of explore a bit more and obviously if you have any other questions please reach out book in a consult run some questions by me, download some of our content i'm about to put out a, an ebook on tips to uh sustain a cut um all that sort of jazz. So please, please reach out and, and, you know, we can, we can chat a bit further about it. If you have any questions or challenge me on anything, please do look, I'm all for questions. Let's hear it. Um, 
but yeah, this is just what I thought was a pretty, pretty relative, uh, relevant episode to where I am currently in my phase of training and just the bullshit that I hear in the industry around people that are so quick to blame and, and point responsibility and, and fail to take ownership when they weren't prepared or didn't do the homework and the due diligence of what's going to happen in the systems and what's going to happen to their body and their mind and their brain and their psychology. It's, it's, it's a, a dangerous realm to operate in without any understanding and going in blind just leads to risks that I just don't think enough people are actually prepared to handle and need to be, need to be postponed from doing. So that's just a bit about this, uh, you know, kind of exploring that whole, you know, what happens psychologically and physiologically when we diet and we aggressively cut when we try to get on stage. So hopefully that's helped someone out there, anyone, coaches, clients, competitors, uh, hopefully it's consistent, uh, contributed to you making the right call, learning a bit more and kind of exploring a bit more about how to get leaner and sustain it. Um, but yeah, that's it from me. Um, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be about six or three, I'll be about six weeks out from show. So all in all things are going to be pretty extreme in myself by the time I'm at that point. So um, yeah, this will be a really, a really relevant episode for me as to where I'm in my training, my nutrition and my, some of my clients. So uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be a nice little nugget for people to take in. Anyway, guys, that's it from me. Uh, I will chat to you again soon. If you have any questions, any comments, any issues, please reach out, leave a message, leave a comment, subscribe, like, and follow. Find us on Instagram at Ben underscore Mayfield Smith underscore and then Matter Athletica as well. Um, you can also find us at Bros of Brains and obviously subscribe to podcast. That's it for me, guys. And I'll chat to you again uh, next week. See you.